0: This show is brought to you by earpeeler.com. Welcome one and all to episode 127 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I'm your host, Victor. And this episode, we continue our classic album series here. Yes, I promised nine of these in September. Yes, we're sort of backed up. Um, Yes, I'm working on other things and... Uh, Between that and health issues that I've had I haven't been able to put these out but I'm trying to get this one and the following episode number nine out to you guys shortly hopefully in the next few days Um, after doing these episodes I do have individual interviews by a lot of the great artists that uh, lent their comments to the series that came out during September And as a result, I have 20 interviews that need to come out. So there you go. I need to edit a bunch of those. And I hope to do that shortly and hopefully between now and the end of the year, you guys will be able to hear those interviews. Anyway, the episode in hand will revolve around Misfits Earth A.D., Uh, Misfits is a band that I got turned on to, uh, I guess, during my high school years, and it's interesting because, obviously, I grew up in New Jersey. The band is from New Jersey. You know, I remember years ago, uh, the dopes on WSOU, not dopes because I've always loved that station, but the dope that said this, from California, the Misfits, they're from your fucking backyard, asshole. (laughs) How can you say California? California. So, um, just a a very inspiring band, a game-changing band. Hell, for how many years did you see bands, or not for how many years, how many bands do you still see wearing their merch? I mean, the band is one of the biggest merch-selling bands of all time. The image of the Crimson Ghost, you know... Uh, you've seen it on Metallica members of Metallica I should say members of Def Leppard uh members of Onyx um Little Wayne uh so on and so forth I mean it just it transcends um just hard rock metal punk horror punk however you know you want to look at it they are a game changing band and this album Earth AD marked the end of the band at that point in time, but it had so many things that, again, it's just such a punishing and brutal album. It has absolutely nothing to do with what they did before this. I mean, you honestly listen to Static Age or Walk Among Us, and you listen to this, and they had, you know, a lot of people like to say, well, you know, they're they're just a punk band. They transformed themselves From album to album. And for better or worse, they've influenced millions of musicians. Just go out and check this album out, Earth AD. Uh, That is the sole purpose for me doing this series. Is turning people on to bands. And turning people, maybe not having them turn the, the clock back. But having them revisit albums that maybe uh, they haven't listened to in a long time, maybe bands that they haven't listened to in a long time, you know, it's just for the love of music and wanting to check different things out that maybe you weren't aware of, or again, you were aware of, but really didn't pay that much attention to the first time around. Um, when I moved over here to Spain, growing up a a musician it's funny i'm talking to uh bat hoops a listener um about various different things regarding music and and about my upbringing with music you know i was a band geek i was in the high school marching band i was in Um, You know, the concert band and a lot of the rudimentary things that I learned there, I transitioned over to being, you know, in in rock bands over the years. And one of the bands that I ended up playing in was a Misfits tribute band that I've played with here in Spain. And it was such a fun experience. Uh just playing a lot of these tracks and we played all airs of the band. Up until then. Um there was uh the 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 Jerry only fronted version of the band did not exist, or at least it didn't exist or no. That is incorrect because we did cover Monster Mash off of Project nineteen fifty. But um and not one of my favorites. But anyway. Um but I do like all eras of the band. I really enjoy Devil's Rain. Yes, I know it's deflated. A lot of balloons out there with people ah. The only the only band, you know, if you don't have Glenn Doyle and Jerry and Robo, you know, it isn't it it, it isn't really the Misfits. Well, then what? You're not going by the, oh, if it's not the original four guys, because Doyle wasn't an original member, neither was Robo. That was probably the the lineup that most people remember, um, or, or at least with Googie, um, you know, because they had a revolving door of drummers. They had Bobby Steele on guitar. They had, you know, there were so many different things that happened to this band that helped with the transition that they had helped or maybe deterred them who knows um i was able to reach out to and you'll be able to hear comments from doyle during this episode you'll also be able to hear from joel goston i've had him on the show before he's an author and a journalist and he's a good friend of the show um joel was you know similar to uh (laughs) With me and and Talking Metal, you know, there aren't too many people that can say that they were part of the Talking Metal family, at least, uh, you know, before my excommunication. But, um, you know, um, Joel was was 17 years old, lived close to Jerry and uh, Doyle in Vernon, New Jersey, and... While they were trying out singers, I mean, one of the things that isn't clear is whether Chud was in the band at the time or whether he was just trying out the singers, um, whether that determination was made or not. But in the meantime, Joel got to play with the band, a 17-year-old kid getting to play with Jerry and Doyle and help them out. While they were doing a vocal search, which ultimately led them to Michael Graves. So, how many people can say that? So, there are some cool stories that Joel is going to share with us. And at the tail end of the show, we will have Doyle. It was a very, 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 very interesting experience. Um... I've actually met Jerry in the past, and, you know, brothers aren't alike. My brother and I certainly are not alike, and, you know, that's probably a good thing. Um, Each of us, you know, we have our own traits, our own personalities and whatnot, and and no different. Um, I found them to be polar opposites, but, hey, you know, I spoke to one for 10 minutes in person, and I spoke to the other one for roughly 10 minutes on the phone, so um who knows you know and and it's sometimes a head scratcher for me you know and i i think this is something that i've um that due to being so naive that i think you know you you have to start to develop a sort of sense of honesty with yourself that when you interview these people you know they're very friendly, you're cordial with them, but I mean, you really don't know anything about them much more beyond, you know, their music, or what you read online, or the press release, you know, Um, there's so many people that go out and, you know, oh, let's name drop, you know, I've spoke to this person, I spoke to that person, I spoke, you know, and for a point in time there, I thought, you know, that was the thing to do, but you know I so I sort of it's it's one of the reasons why I stopped you know doing interviews was because I you know that my whole mentality was like well shit how am I going to compete with someone that's you know or people that are always interviewing these people you know it just it really played with my head and in the end you know I think it outside of being very self-conscious about that stuff you know I, I think I truly missed out on interviewing a lot of cool acts you know you don't have to hit home runs out of the park all the time you know that guy doing the sacrifice fly or bunting is just as important as as the guy that's hit that lead off home run in the end you know a run is a run ultimately you know yeah we we always want to win the game with with our at-bats per se But, um, you know, I think getting back and interviewing people these last few months has really changed things. And, you know, I don't know if that has had to do with uh, sort of change in certain attitudes, but, you know, whatever. Um, But so, yeah, um, I don't profess to being, you know, best friends with any of these people. I don't profess to, you know, well, I, you know. Thanks to me, I've, you know, I put together, you know, I got uh, Jimmy Page and um, Paul McCartney and <laughs> I don't know, fucking some uh, some other big name drummer out there. And I got Charlie Watts together. The funny, funniest fucking question I've heard in the longest time. And, you know, I don't mean to you know, bash anyone, but they asked, you know, a certain famous host, you know, about newer bands, and he was talking about them not getting a fair shake and whatnot. And so they asked him, you know, what newer bands are you listening to? And he basically describes a fucking supergroup of known musicians that all of us fucking know. I mean, it's just so ridiculous. That's why I was making the whole Jimmy Page... You know McCartney and 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 whatnot. Y- you know comparisons. I mean, what well, what the hell? Yeah, okay, they're a new band, yes, made up of like fucking megastars that everyone already knows. So, but whatever. Yes, they're hurting for press. Sorry, it just doesn't make sense. Anyway, getting off track here. Um, remember, guys, to go to Facebook, Facebook forward slash Mars Attacks Radio. Um Twitter is marsaries 2005 G+ is Plus Mars Attacks Radio and we've got Tumblr and we're working out other social networking things. Sorry haven't had time to do so. Been very tied up with earpeeler go to earpeeler.com for all of your podcasting, for all your hard rock, metal and, yeah, I post other, you know, rock and um, punk rock stuff as well. If I see that there are sites that normally cover the other stuff and they have the, you know, the odd guest in there, you know, why not? So the idea is to, you know, get get the word out of some great shows and great sites that are out there interviewing people or that have great music shows. Uh, so go check that out, earpeeler.com. Uh, we did start entertaining entertainmentpodcasting dot that is on hold uh, until uh, later this year. It will be it will be fully completed and launched um, sometime November December of twenty fifteen. Sort of bit off more than I could chew with that, and just trying to set things up behind the scenes. It is a much bigger monster than what I anticipated, but I do think that the payoff will be uh pretty pretty good as well. There are other sites that are in the are in the pipeline, I should say, so we'll uh, we'll discuss all that at a later date. In any event, getting back to this uh, episode, if you want to find out more information regarding Mars attacks, go to marsattacksradio.com. So, there you go. Thanks for listening. See you next time, the next episode. If nothing fails, we'll be revolving around Led Zeppelin 4, and that will sort of wind up this whole series of classic albums that have come out. The the nine episodes that I discussed. There will be other episodes in the future. So there's still about twenty other episodes that we have comments on for this series. So um there you go. Um here's a word from our sponsor. Thanks for listening to me, Jibber Jabber. And you'll hear me next um during episode one hundred twenty eight. See ya. Happy Halloween, ladies.
1: <laughs>
2: Nuns. No sense of humor.
3: Ear pillar. Podcasting and interview news site to keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear. Go to earpeeler.com to find out what we're all about. He was part of Watchtower, Dangerous Toys, Broken Teeth, and a plethora of other projects. Jason McMaster.
1: I own that. That, uh, that once again is, um, a bible of, uh, a, a great moment in history. The the style of uh, with The Misfits in general, um, the fact that it's kind of this, everybody calls it this punk rock thing because it was so different, and it kind of has a lo-fi production value to it, almost on purpose to create the sort of campiness that the band has on purpose, right? Uh, it's the sound of the band, you know, uh, punk rock, not punk rock, uh, rockabilly, not rockabilly, uh, creating a whole new palette for, uh, rock fans who don't like it polished and, uh, with tons of songs for, um, all to take in. I think influential as well. Very influential. I mean, the idea, I I, I have this vision of uh, Cliff Burton walking into, you know, the jam room and uh, James Hetfield sitting there next to a boom box and uh, Cliff Burton's pressing play on a cassette tape saying, hey, check this shit out. You might like this, you know, and playing him misfits for the first time. Because I think that that's kind of how that came to be, I don't think that uh James really knew about the misfits until Cliff you know till they got Cliff and Metallica, Of course, they were still teenagers, you know, and I right. just had that vision in my head, and I think that it ultimately changed the way uh James Hetfield started to write, so that's huge, that's fucking huge, that's bigger than. Then you know that's Led Zeppelin shit right there, because uh, because Metallica is Led Zeppelin now, kind of. So, and, and all respect to to Glenn and Doyle and and any you know anyone involved under the the what now I call a, a Misfits franchise, you know. But that's fine.
3: Mick, Sean, and James from Corners of Sanctuary.
4: All right, so here's our Misfits thing. Here, yeah, we'll do that. So uh, we were playing a gig in Trenton. What was the name of the joint? I Backstage. Backstage. Backstage, okay. right. And we had played a couple other gigs uh, where this other band uh, was there. And towards the end of one of the other nights, you know, everyone was kind of feeling good. And what was the name of the song? I don't even forget. Uh, I think it was Skull. Skulls or yeah. something. I don't know. It was a Misfit song. And I was just up front having fun kind of singing along. I don't. I, I'm really not a – I'm not a fan, I just don't know know the music that well. But they had thought that I was this huge Misfits fan. They should have gotten Frank up there. (laughs) (laughs) So four months later, whatever, oh, hey, oh, hey, we see him again, you know. And, uh, you know, there's a bunch of people there. We're all having a good time. And the lead singer calls me up on stage to sing a Misfits tune with him. I go, listen, man, I, I really don't. I don't know the lyrics, man. Like you are making up your own. Lyrics. <laughs> I have no idea. He's like you got the stage. I'm like, no. You, really? He's like, oh, no, please. Everyone's egging me out to go on stage. I said, well, fuck it then. I'll, I'll just. So anyway, it, it didn't turn out too good. Everyone was kind of laughing, and he started singing, and I just kind of. Whoa, hey, whoa, hey, whoa. I got through it. Anyway, that's that's our misfit story. Yeah, it's about as close well. They, to the they really
5: did. They really were like the if you want to call it a breakthrough, um, you know, for that for that kind of genre. You know, they were the most well known. I think out of all the punk, like gothic, dark, you know, punk bands in the eighty you know, early eighties.
4: Um, well, I mean, on a side note, we played we played with. We, oh, we played, we played with, with um, the guitar player's. Uh, what the hell's his name? I can't even think of his name right now. Uh, Doyle's. Yeah, Doyle. We played with Doyle's son, who's in a band called Sleaze, um, out from you know from the West Coast. We did a show with them back in uh, March. So that was you know. I mean, so there's our six degrees of separation. <laughs> if that helps. And our singer, uh, depending on how he wears his hair, sometimes has been called. Uh, he looks yeah. like he looks like Dan did. <laughs> No, that. I don't know. I I think don't, it's, I think, don't, but I don't think we're taking that as a compliment. <laughs> so
6: there you have that.
4: I was I was more into to Danzig's first solo. i I
5: think I was that right. Yeah. That was a good album. That
4: <laughs> was definitely a great album.
3: From Witchcross and Ravenstorne, Count William.
5: All right. Uh this album I will uh have to say that uh that you know at that point in time uh, it was like when I discovered the Misfits, you know, it's kind of almost become a cliche to say this, but it was it was probably right around the time, like many other people will admit, um, there's some people that, that were Misfits fans from the early days, and then there's other people like myself who was, it was right around the time, I'd say around the time of when Metallica made Ride the Lightning and they kept talking about the Misfits, And, uh, you know, they were always wearing the T-shirts and everything. It was before Metallica was really as big as they ended up getting. They were still kind of underground. But, you know, I went out like a lot of other people and picked up a few Misfits albums, and that was one of them. And that was when I was first turned on to the early, you know, roughness of Glenn Danzig and and the guys and and everything, you know, just uh, really kicking some ass and you know, I also picked up Evil Live and a few of those other ones that they had put out on, on vinyl, and uh, we were lucky in my neighborhood. There was a there was a place uh, not too far away in Homewood, Illinois. It was called uh, Record Swap, and they used to let you go in there, and they had all kinds of vinyls from every era that were like in mint condition, but anyway, I found a lot of Misfits albums in there and picked them up, and you know, I I kept uh, spinning through that one because I always loved Green Hell and Wolf's Blood and Demonomania and and everything on that album was a damn good album. It's probably if you're gonna pick up one of his one of the early Misfits albums, that's definitely the one the one that you need to get. And uh, one thing that some people I, I kind of you know I did uh, heavily follow Danzig on his own too after he went off and did his solo career. I uh, You know, I was a huge fan and uh, the first debut album and some of the other ones, Lucifuge and stuff, I was going to see him. And whenever he would bust out an old cut from one of these records, you know, like as an extra night, you know, an extra song in the night toward the end, like it as an encore or something like that, after he'd done all his solo material, sometimes he would bust into one of these cuts and everybody would go completely nuts. And of course, Metallica redid a couple of them and, They did them really good too, but there's nothing like putting out one of these old albums from the Misfits. And, you know, it's just, uh, you know, people talk about punk rock and it's been totally bastardized these days with commercialism and everything, and almost been completely made into bubblegum pop. But if you want to talk about some real, some real punk, I mean, some scary ass punk, it was this album uh, from the Misfits. So that's probably one of the darkest punk albums. And then when he went into Sam Hain. Or Sawen or however you want to pronounce it. But that was, that was pretty crazy, too. But I preferred The Misfits if he had to compare the, the two early bands that Glenn was in. But great album.
3: Lord von Rathenstein of Lords of Trident.
1: <laughs> Earth AD by The Misfits will always remind me of, like, that one guy in high school... You know who was like the 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 sort of strange guy who would you know color his hair but do it incorrectly. You know where you'd have like one green streak down the side and he'd think that was super cool. Uh, You know everybody everybody had that guy where they were they were walking down the hall going die 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 my darling. You know just over and over and and nobody knew what the heck they were talking about uh, until they listened to this you know 21 minutes album by the Misfits. Uh, if brevity is the soul of wit, then, uh, then this must be the, uh, the soul of punk, I suppose, because this is a very short album, uh, and, uh, a very good one, I think. It's sort of a, a genre-defining album.
3: The host of One on One with Mitch, Talking Metal Digital's own Mitch Lafon.
7: The Misfits. Wow. Um, I'm not a big, um, Misfits connoisseur, um... You know, it's, it's, how can I say this? I mean, it's a good album. It's, you know, it's Glenn Danzig and, you know, obviously Green Hell was something that uh, influenced Metallica enough that they wanted to cover it, but yeah, it's one of those really under underground albums. I mean, how, how, how long is the whole album all told? It's like six minutes long or something
8: it's very, very, very short. Uh, let me look it up. And
7: if you had, well, hey, if you look at Earth, AD, and Wolf's Blood, you're talking about fifteen minutes. Can you believe that? <laughs> I mean, that's that's way short. Is that is that the album with "Die, Die, My Darling"? Or is no, that no, that's huh? a different one. Yeah. Okay, but this one, but this one had Green Hell. Yes. And. Uh, I think the greatest thing about that album is that it was um, it did it did take it took what the Sex Pistols were doing and Americanized it and made it very um, you know and it spoke to the to, to the the punk underground in the states and obviously it influenced Metallica because they covered. I mean, how many how many songs have they covered by the Misfits? They covered "Die Die," they covered uh, "Green Hell," and uh, uh, they covered what "Last Caress"? Is that yep. is
8: that is that yeah. the only three? Yeah, those three.
7: But in uh, in terms of the general public, you know, it's one of those. Uh, that's one of those you really have to know the scene to know kind of albums, in my opinion. I mean, you know, listen, it, it was it was. Alice Cooper meets meets the sex pistols, right? It was, it was the macabre theater meets that sneer of, you know, God save the queen. Right. But, you know, for me, other than that, you know, Danzig or no, not dancing, but the misfits, the misfits were, you know, it's sort of those, one of these cult underground bands that, that, I missed, and Glenn Danzig, I mean, you know, listen, he did Mother later on, but I don't think Glenn Danzig qualifies as a star on any level. I mean, he's just a working musician, if you ask me, which is not a bad thing. I'd like to be one, too, but, (laughs) but yeah, you know, it's, it's a good album. It's, it, 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 it had its purpose. It, it, it made, it made the punk rock scene American. Uh but other than that, it's it's just one of those that and and I think, you know, ninety percent of the world's population would agree that it just sort of goes over your head and you go, Yeah, you know what? I'd rather listen to I run by the flock of seagulls, quite frankly. <laughs> or I ran. I ran, right? And I ran. No, it's 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 one of those. You know, it's not the greatest. Not the greatest in my book. Okay. Gritty, dirty, but. Ask Lars. Oh, don't ask Lars. He thinks Lulu's a good idea.
3: Tom Potter of Gun Driver.
5: Die, die, my
7: darling, man.
5: And, uh,
9: what, you know, one of those things that, you know, because I'm an audio engineer,
5: right? And I love the right songs, uh, and I love the whole production process, and all that, all that stuff. And wh- what I love out of this whole album is, is hearing Glenn's voice developing. Like, what what would later become so iconic and such a huge uh, signature thing for them, and a, a huge, you know, he's just got such a huge boom and voice, you know, and it, you, know, I mean, you can hear it developing, and uh, uh, of all the tracks, you know, uh, I like to pick on uh, this one, Die, Die, My Doll is my favorite of that album.
3: The man that has played with all your favorite bands, Gene Hoagland.
10: I, boy, I I, I missed the Misfits boat. I liked three songs by them, and I'm not sure if any of these songs are on Earth A.D., but I really like the song Where Eagles Bear, okay. She, and then mm-hmm. uh, 20 Eyes. I like those three songs, right. and maybe those songs are on that record.
8: Um, They're all from before that record, actually.
10: Okay. Well, I, I don't <laughs> know a whole lot of Mystic stuff after after those songs. But I tell okay. you, James Hetfield should write Glenn Danzig a check, just period. Thank you <laughs> thank you for my career. Uh, thank you for my style. Because, I mean, I think the influences are really obvious. Um, you know, you listen back to old Misfits stuff. And, like, I'm not familiar with them in the fact that, I, you know, I can tell you names of songs. But, you know, you listen right. back to old Misfits stuff and you're like, hey, James Hetfield, you know, this came out three years before Master of Puppets or anything like that. And, uh, yeah. you know, five years before Justice for All or whatever, five years before Master of Puppets. And, and, you know, there I think there was a large influence on James Hetfield from Glenn Danzig. And I, I, I think that's a pretty obvious one. I don't think I'm stating any surprises here. But, uh,
6: right. yeah, you know, Metallica should cut them a check, totally.
3: The legendary drummer of Anthrax, Charlie Benante.
6: Wow, oh, one of my favorite records. I I, I love the Misfits. Um, Walk Among Us to, to me was like one of the greatest records to come out. It was like fucking 1950s doo-wop, but done <laughs> in a punk rock way. Um, and I always love the Misfits. Whenever I, whenever I'm down, if I put on a Misfits record, it always takes me out of my mood. Um, right. Because it, it was funny, and you know all the references that they were singing about was shit that I knew. Because I collected, you know, famous monster magazine, and I was a big horror movie junkie, so I loved it. You know, when I when when I hear songs like Return of the Fly, Wood Vincent, Pro-, you know, I just loved it because it was so uh, part of me.
8: And as far as uh, Earth AD, I've heard a lot of people say that they feel that um, that album influenced the hardcore scene and a lot of metal bands after that um do you feel that anything specifically from that album stands out from a musical standpoint
6: um i think there are better songs on walk among us okay i think i think earth ad was a more aggressive record um and definitely moved into a more hardcore type of sound um you know, D Mania is on that record, uh, Earth A D I mean, these are these are, you know, great songs, you know, and I, I again I love that record.
0: Okay, so let me interject here real quickly for two reasons. One because I don't have an intro for Tommy Victor. Uh for some reason I didn't realize that and I didn't get um my person to do it. So I apologize for that. Coming next is Tommy Victor, currently playing with Danzig's band, obviously the mastermind behind Prong as well. He gives us a thorough history lesson on not only Misfits, but what was going on in his career at the time, which is just very cool, and it is the reason why I asked him to participate in this. Uh, He'll appear in upcoming episodes as well. Uh, Also, during the Mitch Lafon portion, Uh, He asked me if Die, Die, My Darling um, appears on this. I have a vinyl copy where it does not appear. It was subsequently put on this album afterwards. So although I answered incorrectly, uh, I was correct (laughs) to an extent because the track isn't originally on the vinyl pressing that I have. The CD has it and everything after that apparently does have it. So... My bad, I was wrong, Um, or I wasn't, depends on how you look at it. So, anyway, sorry to barge in like this. Here we have, let me do my FM voice, from Prong and from Danzig, this is Tommy Victor. Okay, the first album that I'm going to be featuring shortly is going to be The Misfits Earth AD. Obviously, you've been playing with Danzig and you've had your chance to play some misfits material but also i mean it's well documented that you worked at cbgb's and everything and you know that club meant a lot for the new york hardcore scene and the misfits obviously meant a lot so oh, they
3: meant a lot to me yeah i mean before i even started hanging out with glenn without a doubt yeah but
0: what was your impression of the band when you first heard them
3: well, I was familiar with them because, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm of the age that I remember when, you know, they were playing Max's, and there was a different type of band back then where they were, uh, you know, they started out almost like a new wave hardcore band. It's when they, you know, when uh, Walk Among Us came out, and I was very good friends with Arthur McGuggin, who's Googie mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, we actually had it started another band called Antidote, uh, and uh you know, I was in the early incarnations of that hardcore band. And then, uh, but, uh, Walk Among Us, that kicked my ass. And then uh, Earth AD was just that, you know, like on steroids. I mean, that was just, I mean, the riffs, everything, it was a dark record. You know, Demonomania, Blood Feast are still one of, two of my favorite Misfits songs uh you know Green Hell is a, is a classic i mean those are those are amazing songs on that i mean that's probably i would say earth AD. and it, it almost bridged into like metalcore a little bit so uh you know uh, it's definitely and i always try to get Glenn to, for some reason he he's he's diverted back into the old misfits ones you know the static age type material he likes to do more but uh, you know, uh, every time I go into like the blood feast riff, he tells me to shut the fuck up. So, you know, it's like, you know, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a, a classic, classic record. I have it on my iPod, you know, it's like, uh, it's, it's a killer record. I mean, that changed a lot for, you know, the whole horror core, Uh, I mean, it, I mean, it's still, you have kids 16, 14, 12 that, that have those records and you know, you talk about a legacy again, you know, that, I mean, those, it, it influenced, you know, millions of bands, you know, it's it's in a whole subculture it, that, you know, Glenn really started.
0: Do you feel that this album had something to do with the start of hardcore music itself? I've read that in the past and I've had people also dispute that, saying that they felt the Black Flag or Bad Brains may have actually done hardcore before earth ad came out
3: oh yeah no i mean it, it goes earlier than that uh i uh, i think glenn picked up uh and i hope he has doesn't listen to this because he'll freak out but I, I think glenn picked up on what was going on which was with speed was starting to come into punk and i i would say hardcore really started uh essentially with minor threats the bad brains um, a little bit after that, Chromags, uh and, and from the West Coast, you had the Dead Kennedys, and uh, you know, Black Flag were, you know, in New York they were never considered a hardcore band because they they were considered too artsy. Okay. So um, uh, I I don't know really where to put Black Flag. I almost put Black Flag between hardcore and Swans. Okay, you know, it was it was it was too uh you know cerebral. So I can't really put them into hardcore at all. I don't know Black Flag is Black Flag. But I mean as far as hardcore goes, it's definitely Bad Brains, uh Minor Threat and uh either Chromags. There was a band called uh called Blood Clot that were a precursor that were around it was a combination of, of uh Chromex and Bad Brains. Like Earl was playing with them and they were they were right at the beginning of that, too. And you can't really rule out Motorhead, too, because, I mean, they, you know, and, and then inevitably Venom, I think, influenced a lot that would inevitably come out, you know, from metalcore, et cetera. COC came in a little bit later, too. You can't really rule them out. Okay. Cool. Been, the- being a historian here, you know. but
0: yeah, the- That's absolutely great. I mean, it's funny. I can. Sometimes can't get two words out of people, and I love when people actually, you know, are able to take a topic and explain that much into it. And I mean, I've obviously learned from what you just described. So,
3: well, I mean, I, I mean, I was there. So, <laughs> I mean, it was, I mean, I, I, I mean, I was, I worked the hardcore matinees at CB's for four years. I hung out there uh, right at the beginning of the whole thing, which is, you know, I could essentially say, you know, early '80s. And, uh, you know, I remember when the Circle Jerks and Dead Kennedys came out and, and that was, we were blown away by, you know, the speed. And then, you know, Motorhead, too, coming from, you know, Europe. And it was like, we never heard anything like it before. It was just completely different, you know. And, uh, you know, that's, that's why I could say I was really there and, you know, in the clubs. Cool. Straight from Lodi, New Jersey, a member of Sam Samhain and Danzig. He grew up with the original Misfits, Steve Zing.
8: With regards to the rise of the band, um, did anyone expect the band to reach the legendary or cult status that they've, you know, achieved so many years later?
2: Absolutely not. Um, I, I, I don't think, for once, that anybody looked at, um, y- you know, looked at all that and said. Well, you know you know we're gonna put out these little red vinyls, and they're gonna be worth you know thousands of dollars, or we're gonna do this. you know if if you were there, it kinda it was it was pretty sad the way it ended it just ended it just it just it wasn't like this I'm trying to think the best way to describe it um it kind of faded. It faded away and it faded real fast. You figure they started in 77 and ended in 83, you know? So in six years, what they did in six years, and you know, they weren't playing all the time or anything like that, but in, in six years time, they built this, this, this image,
8: mm-hmm.
2: you know? And, and nobody else, ever else did. Right So in in that In that respect Um You would have really had to be there (laughs) Right
8: Right. (laughs) Which is why I wanted to, uh, to To bring it up Um As far as your association To the band back then How did you first come in contact with them
2: Well we all grew up in the same town And I went to school With Doyle Okay um, we went to um, high school together. Oh, we were from grammar school to high school
8: so oh, from okay. when we were
2: from kindergarten through through high school so, okay yeah. so it was
8: for for quite a while that uh that you at least knew doyle um before any before the band actually came about.
2: oh yeah, I remember him coming to um, school one day. And he said, um, he said, hey, remember, you know, I, I told you my brother's in that band. I go, yeah. He goes, well, they're going to rehearse at my house after school. Why don't you come over? I'm like, okay. So I went and listened to the Misfits rehearse. Right. And um, it was at that point that um, I basically... Um, said this is uh this is it this is um i want to do this i'm going to be in a band with this guy someday and my friend used to laugh at me um <laughs> and um and they were like you don't even play an instrument i'm like well i will i'm gonna play the drums well you don't have a drum kit i'm like okay well i'll, I'll get one <laughs> and that was that <laughs>
8: Cool. Um, As far as the album in question that I mentioned, Earth AD, um, there's always been disputes regarding where hardcore came from. A lot of people, or I've heard various people, I should say, point to Earth AD as the starting point or the blueprint for hardcore due to tracks like Earth AD, Green Hell, so on and so forth. Do you think that this album had anything to do with the start off of hardcore? Mm, uh,
2: no, uh, I mean I think it. Hardcore was, you know, you had bands like, you know, Minor Threat and you know all the DC bands and and then the right. bands from Boston um, and of course LA and and, and you had uh, Bad Brains. Right. So, Hardcore was there, I think. I think that was the Misfits capturing, you know. A lot of people didn't get the Misfits. Mm -hmm. You know, they didn't get what they were about. And I think, um, you know, um, that was, you know, the reason for that album.
8: Okay. Um, A lot of people that I've talked to have pointed to Bad Brains or I should say most people that I've spoken to regarding this topic have, have always pointed uh to Bad Brains over Black Flag or, or any other band that's usually thrown into the mix there, so
2: Yeah, I mean they they, they were there. I mean credit has to be given for credit's due, that's for sure. Um but the you know, um I think the Misfits captured, you know, um their, uh, I think they captured their own version of hardcore because okay. most hardcore wasn't as melodic as what Glenn made it. Right. You know, it's it was, you know, it was still the Misfits.
8: Hmm.
2: So if that makes sense.
8: No, that makes absolute sense. As being a a fan of the band you know, there're so many things that he did with the melody or even throwbacks to, you know, fifties music or whatnot that made them stand apart from from so many other bands. So yeah, I understand hundred percent what what you're <laughs> what you're going for. Cool. Um as far as the band after Glenn left. I mean there was a resurgence in the nineties, there's still a version of the band going today. Do you have well, any opinion?
2: I, I don't know if you'd have the I don't know if you would call that a very
8: okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Um do I have an opinion on it? N- yeah. No, I I I I don't I mean I have nothing against um you know Jerry or anything i I don't think that um how do you say it? I don't know if it's right, <laughs> you know, I don't know if it's right what he's doing right i mean that that would just kind of be like um you know take a lead singer from a band and replace it. I mean, it's not Van Halen but you know, it'd be like taking Joey Ramone out of the Ramones. Right. It just doesn't work. Not for me. So,
8: but, you know,
2: best of luck to him.
8: <laughs> okay. Um, as far as after the fall of the band took place, how soon after that did you become involved in Sam Hain?
2: About three days later. <laughs> <laughs>
8: two, about two or two, three days later Glenn called me and asked me if I
2: wanted to do a band
8: and how difficult of a decision was it for you to uh, agree to become part of the band
2: oh there there was no uh, <laughs> there was no thought in that it was just like okay <laughs> no problem
8: and looking back at Samhain, obviously you've had a few different times over the years where the band has been revisited, um, where you've played drums and bass um, in various reunions and whatnot. Um, what is your sort of, if you were to say this is my legacy within Samhain, what is the one thing that you would point to?
2: Well, Initium, of course. Um, you know, playing drums. I, I think what we did back then was totally something different that hadn't been done yet. Okay. Sound wise, um, it was interesting because we weren't sure how people were going to perceive it. And there were a lot of people at that time that didn't get it, they didn't understand it. Right, right. You know, they really didn't. It was like um, they were all looking for you know, the Misfits part two. Right. And that's that's what it was it wasn't gonna be about that. So yeah, I mean it was it was definitely tough.
8: Do you feel that the band's popularity or influence uh increased over time? Maybe as you mentioned people didn't get you guys when you were around, but after the band was gone do you feel that there was more people drawn to the band's music than when you guys were active?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, there were there are a lot of bands that talk about how they were influenced by it and you're like, Really? Wow. <laughs> you know, a lot of major bands too. Um and kinda of blew my mind. You know, even Metallica. They're a huge Sam Hain fans. Right. But um yeah, you know, like I said, when when you put something out, that's your mark. Right. You know, sometimes you get credit for it, sometimes you don't. And uh, if you do, well, more power to you. Um, and you don't really. Sometimes you don't receive the accolades for years and years down the road.
8: Right. Yeah, interesting point. Um, One of the other albums that I featured was Cleansing by Prong, and I spoke to uh, Tommy, your bandmate, obviously, and Mm. that was like a good chunk of the interview was how so many bands, especially that came out in the 90s, you know, were influenced them, maybe directly or indirectly, but they maybe never received the recognition that they should have.
2: Yeah, I mean... (laughs) there's a lot of bands you can listen to and go holy shit they took prong you know (laughs) chord for chord note for note
8: yeah so it's uh, would you say it's almost bittersweet with Sam Hain to hear all of these popular bands bands like Metallica say hey you know we were big fans but you know at the time that the band was active you know you almost didn't feel that uh, reaction from the fans
2: well, again, it goes back to the misfits. You know, they ever think that they were going to be as popular as they are? True. No. Yeah. You, you don't. You don't think of it back then. You know, we were just a band out of New Jersey. You know. <laughs> right. Just, just doing our thing. So you, you don't think about it. You just you just you're just going by. You know, doing the doing your thing. Right. Okay. Because you, you, you're in the now. You know, mm-hmm. it's hard to think about what it will do five years down the road, 10 years or even 30 in this in
8: this case. Sure.
3: He rehearsed with Doyle and Jerry only while they were trying out singers, journalist and drummer Joel Gauston.
0: So with regards to Earth AD, can you remember the first time you actually got to listen to something off of this album?
11: It had to have been early high school for me. That was really the time I got into a lot of that stuff, maybe even late elementary school. Um, If I remember correctly, my first introduction to the Misfits beyond hearing Metallica covers and stuff, actually getting a Misfits record, was uh, Evil Live on cassette.
9: Mm -hmm. And
11: I was just blown away first by the visual of that cover. That's still, I think, one of their greatest uh, record covers. You know, so I, I was listening to that stuff and, of course, Walk Among Us. And then I got around to Earth AD. Um, I think I borrowed it from a friend of mine at the time who was really into heavy stuff. And that record just blew my mind. Um, it was one of the heaviest things I ever heard then and remains one of the heaviest things that I still listen to. I mean, I listened to them around the same time I got into Hellhammer. And I thought that was the heaviest stuff, you know. Um, I think Earth A D transcends that. I think it's it's still a record you can listen to even after thirty plus years of very intense thrash and uh extreme metal, you can still listen to Earth A D and get your get your fucking hair blown off. You know. It's still an incredibly powerful listen.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think a lot of the charm also has to do with how that album was produced or the lack of production with how maybe later on in that decade, production really defined when an album came out. This was ahead of that almost. And I think that's why it also um, sort of keeps a lot of its appeal and and its heaviness due to that, you know, the specific sound that was used to record the album.
11: Oh, absolutely. I I love that production. Um, I know a lot of people, including Jerry, uh, don't particularly care for it, but I just think it's the most intense thing. Um, the drums are so loud. Everything is so pushed up. It's just it's just pure aggression and adrenaline, everything up to its maximum. And it's kind of appropriate in some way that Earth AD was the last Misfits album for so long. And it was, of course, the last album with Glenn. Because it was like they were building up like this freight train. They kept getting faster and faster and faster. And Earth A D represents the train going off the tracks. There's no. Right. We've reached the point of no return. We're just gonna keep chugging faster and faster and faster, faster until boom, you know, until the wheels come off, the tracks explode, and all you're left with is this album that you can listen to even now. And and just, you know, it's such an intense statement. I mean, it's it's Doyle's best album, I think, um, in a guitar sense, in terms of his aggression, what he brings to the to the band. Um, the drumming is phenomenal. Um, Robo is such an underrated player. Uh, you know, he's, he's just fantastic. Uh, the whole thing just works so beautifully well.
0: Absolutely. And you were lucky enough to jam with these guys before the new Misfits, or however you want to call them, got together in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You got to jam some of the tracks off of the album with Doyle. And Jerry, what was that like for you?
11: Um, playing your Earth AD stuff was intimidating as all hell. <laughs> um, I wasn't was seen it at, the, at that time. You know, I was I was going up there and um, playing with them after uh, I would finish high school. Uh, a few times a week I would go up there and play. And I was just kind of helping them out because they had Chud in the band and he was um, recording vocal audition tapes. Um... So his role at that point was helping them find a singer, more so than being the drummer. So they had to have someone play the, the drums during these jams and vocal auditions they were holding. Um, so I was I was there quite a bit. I knew pretty much everything they did. Um, and the easiest stuff for me was obviously the Walk Among Us era because it's all very straightforward. Googie's not a particularly challenging drummer. Uh, but he was a perfect drummer for that era. Um but that stuff, you know, you can play that in your sleep, but that's part of its magic too, you know. Um, but the RKD stuff was, was drastically different. I remember the first time playing Green Hell and the first half of the song I was I was fucking kicking ass. Well first of all, let's back up. Robo's drum kit was there. At
5: the
8: place they
11: rehearsed that because Robo was working with them for a while and then for whatever reason that didn't continue. So he had his drum set there. So I'm playing the Earth Earth AD material on Robo's kit. And being a 17-year-old kid at the time, it was pretty mind-blowing, you know, and just a very cool thing. So I got to the first half of Green Hell, and you know how it is, those awesome, like, cymbal breaks, yeah You know, well if they're hit precisely where they're supposed to be hit the song works if you missed right. it it's a fucking disaster so i missed <laughs> it and the second half of the song kind of went um totally like pear-shaped and it just sort of you know ran off the track and jerry's like yeah good job <laughs> so it didn't really work very well for me um but I later came back a couple weeks later to, determined to, you know, kick an Earth AD song in the ass. And we did Death Comes Ripping, and I blazed through it faster than I think they'd ever played it. And I remember Jerry saying, it was great, but you played it a little too fast. So the fact that I was playing an Earth AD song too fast, <laughs> I think that was kind of like my redemption. Um, right. But, it, you know, I mean, it, it was great. I definitely was restricted as a player at that time by that material because it was just too fast for my abilities at that point. And I remember going up there one day and um, I can't recall if Michael was there yet or this was still when they were just doing the three piece with Chud. But they went through the uh, Earth AD material pretty much start to finish. There might have been one or two songs missing, but they played a, a good, a good chunk of the Earth AD stuff. And I remember just feeling like my chest being hit by that guitar. Um, I think the guitar work on the song Earth AD is, is really among the most powerful music ever recorded. So to hear Doyle play that live, it, it just hit me, you know, and it was just like a wave of, of energy. It was it was really, really fucking awesome to be, you know, five feet away from that. Um, but Chud nailed it, man. I mean, he was... He was brilliant, and I knew, him, like, that guy's going to be the drummer, you know, because he, he was kind of helping him out. They weren't really sure what they were going to do with him at that time, but I'm like, fucking shuds playing in, in the band. There's no way around it. That guy killed it, you know, so more power to him, but for me, it was
8: a lot of fun. I look
11: I back at that, you know, it was certainly a fun time of my life, and, you know, it's 20-plus years, uh, well, actually, 20 years this year since all that stuff went down, so, you know, it's a nice memory, and and made me feel even closer to an album that you know I've always loved very much.
0: Now, if if in 2015 Jerry calls you and says, "Hey, I need you to fill in behind the kit," is there one track off of Earth AD that you would absolutely love to play?
11: Um, death comes ripping, just so I can t- just so I can prove to him I didn't slow down. <laughs> Um, yeah, Death Comes Ripping would be a lot of fun. I always like that song. There's a lot of real energy to it. Um, very, very powerful from a drumming perspective. That song is just, you know, perfect, and, um, you know, that would be fun. Although I can't, I can't see myself doing that. Um, I haven't played drums for a while, and... You know, life is a little bit different now, and, and the guy he's got in the band, uh, hopefully will be with him for a long time. He's a great player, um, Eric Arcee. So, um, yeah, but probably Death Comes Ripping. That would be my, my instant, let's do it. Because, a, a, I know I can handle that one, even now. <laughs> and, two, like I said, I can still play it pretty fucking fast.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Um Speaking of the current band, you've actually got to see them uh, not that long ago down in Philly. What was it like to see the band now as the, was it a three-piece or a four-piece when you got to see them?
11: Um, it was a three-piece band. It was Jerry, Jerry's son, and um, Eric or Chupacabra, whoever they call um, goat <laughs> when he was in Murphy's Law. Um it was a three-piece band and it was great you know and interestingly enough the first half of their set was earth ad in its entirety which was one of the reasons why i made the the you know very long trip down from uh northern new england to see the show not only did i you know get a chance to meet up with jerry which i haven't done for a long time and, and we chatted for a little bit and that was wonderful but i got to see the band do earth ad in the present tense and i was very very impressed um I really like the new lineup. It's a different kind of Misfits. I think in a lot of ways they've returned to that more aggressive, um hunkier, sloppier sort of edge they had circa 82, 83 when they played live. Um looks like right. the old bootlegs like from house bar or whatever. Um they're a fucking mess, but they're a beautiful one. It is pure <laughs> aggression, and I think that's where they return to in a way. Um I can tell you, having seen a lot of those practices circa 95, that when Graves came on board and they went with that reunion lineup or resurrection lineup, um, they were very much focused on precision at that time and doing these monster sets where everything was very tight. And you can hear that on the bootlegs from that time, and you can certainly hear that on the albums too. You know, So it was a very uh, tight, tightly wound, well-oiled machine now I think it's just gone back to being punk, you know. Um, and I love that stuff. So I think it, it works out very well. And I, I think, um, yeah, I'm very happy to see the band continuing on. Um, I got to know very intimately how hard that guy worked to make that band happen. So here we are, 20 years later, which is a hell of a lot longer than the Danzig era band lasted. And he's still doing right. it, you know, and he's still playing big shows. Um, and he still, you know, he headlined, This is Hardcore, when uh, I went down to see that for that. I think it was the Saturday show. You know, he headlined, so he's still, you know, top of the bill. After 20 years in this business, having already had a career, and then they right. come back and be in that position 20 years later, I mean, there are guys who, who'd kill to have that kind of legacy, and you know, people say, "Well, I was living off of Glenn." If that were, if that was absolutely true, the band would have been done by '98. Because you know, it wasn't Glenn; it was Michael. You know, it wasn't um, Earth, AD; it was American Psycho. So it was a different beast altogether. So Glenn might have, or the legacy of Glenn and the 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 the, the legend of Glenn and, and Glenn's time with the Misfits might have got Jerry in the door in a few places in 95 and might have helped you know, get some gigs. But he had to stand or fall on his own merits once he got into that room. You know, you can only get by so much on past glory and reputation. You got to do the goods every day. Every day you have to talk to yourself. Every day you have to beat your own record. And I think that very clearly has been what Jerry has done throughout his entire
0: career and continue to do so to this day. I, I continuously hear people tell me that see them live, say, wow, you know, they still have it. I'm I'm shocked after seeing them that Jerry and the rest of the players he has around them still put on a great show. And similar to what you said, you know, if if they sucked, <laughs> they wouldn't be around all this time later. And it's it, it's remarkable that people want to sit and draw lines and choose between this era, that era, and in the case of the Misfits, the the third era, if you will. Um, But I think in the end, you have to enjoy, you know, if if you enjoy the band, regardless of who's in it, you should just enjoy the music.
11: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I I have similar conversations with people about Kiss. You know, I happen to really like the current incarnation of Kiss. I like especially the Sonic Boom record um you know i love all the records but, but for me kiss is kiss you know um right. I, I see that the family with the misfits or with hawk wind or you know any band i like that's gone through multiple lineups you know it, it, it retains the spirit of what that band projected you know uh, that can go on forever i mean who knows maybe jerry jr will take over the mantle um you know when, when, when jerry only retires and he'll have you know uh, a traveling misfit show with you know <laughs> with nobody. I mean, I don't know, I don't know how that would play off and and how serious that suggestion would even be taken in, in, in the world. But you know, I, what I what I will say, to Jerry does maintain what I consider to be the, the spirit of the band. I've I've been um, a major fan of that band for most of my life. You know, and spent a good part of my life um, around those people. You know, so I know exactly, uh, you know, where they're coming from in in terms of their thoughts and their lifestyles and and their history, you know. I mean, look, when I was doing a lot of work with those guys, Jerry would start his day 7 a.m. doing Mm -hmm. something for the band, and he'd wrap up 11 o'clock at night. And how do I know that? Because I did some of those days with him, you know, whether it be picking up posters or, or, you know, getting Ed Repka to do some artwork or Basil or, you know, any of those guys. Right. So uh, that's the spirit of the misfits, not a fucking devil lock, not Glenn Danzig's voice. The spirit of the misfits is that guy who puts in those kind of hours to keep that thing going, you know. And I'll tell you what, you know, to give you a quick example of, of what the misfits means to me. I was, you know, working till about 2 in the morning last night I slept mm-hmm. four hours. Started at 6 a.m., worked 12 hours. Now you know we're we're talking. Later on tonight, I'm going to put a few hours into a project I've just started, um, which will you know take me probably until midnight. And then I'll probably get up around five or six tomorrow morning. And I do that a lot. And I do that a lot because I watched people like Jerry only do that. Mm-hmm. You know, so my lifestyle and what I do is very much driven by what the misfits were physically doing when I saw them do 20 years ago. You know, um, you know, I have a house, a family, a car, all the things, you know. And how do I do that? Well, I, I keep the ball in the air. And who taught me how to do that? Fucking Jerry only. And that's the way it is.
8: Cool. Um,
0: do you think, and I've I've seen this in various interviews and different people mention this, but do you think that Earth AD was the um the epicenter or what kicked off the hardcore movement?
11: I've had that question asked to me before, and I don't really think so. I okay. think it's certainly an important album within the um genre of hardcore or the world of hardcore, which is pretty wide and expansive. you know there's not one particular band you can say that's a hardcore band you know hardcore can be. Um, quicksand, it could be the Bad Brains, you know, and that's what's wonderful about that style because it's a state of mind. It's not necessarily a, a genre at this point. Um, so I think Earth AD certainly played into the growth of that. Um, but there were plenty of banners I would call hardcore years before Earth AD came out. You know, I'm thinking, uh, um, what's that record from LA? Um, out of Vogue, Middle Class. That was a hardcore record. Um, the Germs. GI is still a hardcore record. It always will be. Damaged by Black Flag, the first Plasmatics record. I consider them hardcore records too. The first Bad Brains forty-five. You know, all of which was already in the world long before Earth AD happened. Where I think Earth AD has its greatest relevance in terms of affecting music is um, the fact that it really could have been one of the first crossover records between hardcore and metal. Because Earth AD was really one of the first times I could think of where a hardcore band, quote-unquote, had really fucking loud guitar and really, like, metal guitar and raging guitar. You know, before right, that, you it's... had kind of, like, Vinny Stigma stuff, that great sort of, like, street distortion, you know, like, on um, Victim right. of Pain or whatever, but real fucking full-on, like, power guitar, like machismo guitar. You really didn't have that until Earth AD. And you can see the effect that had on bands like SSD from mm-hmm. Boston who went that way. Um, even a band like SOD clearly had um, some cues from Earth AD. So I think hardcore metal crossover stuff has a lot more, um, a lot more of, a, of a root in Earth AD than, than hardcore does.
0: And I will say, I, I think this was after the last time we spoke. I was actually playing in a Misfits tribute band for a few years over here in Spain, <laughs> and um, and what you're saying, as far as you know, if it was all Glenn, I could I could honestly say that up to the point that I had played with that band, the material was fifty fifty because a lot of the people that w- were coming out to the shows. Either older people that grew up on the Danzig stuff, or people that were in their mid thirties to late thirties who had grown up when the band was resurrected again. Yep. So yep. the the crowd was very split uh, for that. Uh, it was it was also interesting that um, for me as a musician, um, the the Earth AD stuff. I mean, I I love playing it. Unfortunately, uh, uh, our singer did not, so we unfortunately didn't play too many things off of it. I can specifically remember rehearsing Green Hell and having him and doing the cymbal crashes, as you mentioned, and him running out of gas throughout the song and saying, no, we we can't do this as a result. What's your
11: favorite song to play from Earth AD?
0: I love Green Hell. Just the whole, you know, when you were describing how the album was like a locomotive coming off of the tracks and everything uh, before in the conversation green hell popped into my mind just because of that just how the song is just chugging along and building up to the crescendo with the with with uh, the symbol stuff as you said and then towards the end where the the chanting comes in and everything i mean that song you know i can see all the parallels that you're saying with you know, the influence that that had on all these other bands, even discounting, you know, the Metallica covered it. Just thinking about other bands that came afterwards and took pieces of that track or took pieces of, you know, riffs from this song or that song and just sort of tried to make it their own to, as you're saying, do, do a lot of stuff that would be considered a, a crossover, as you're mentioning. Because if, again, if you look back at, say, Dr. Knows guitar tone on the first few bad brains albums you're right the the distortion is there's little to no distortion or it's just some fuzz out sound that sounds nothing like what doyle is doing on this album
11: yeah exactly and it, it's it's such an incredibly musical record when you really break it down like it's like blood feast there's some very sophisticated playing going on there in terms of the drumming and just the groove of that song you know it was very clear glenn was taking his songwriting to different places at that point um, right. where Sam Hain was just an inevitability. You know, you knew the machine was going to come out of that in some way because that's kind of where he was going. Um, you know, and, and as far as Green Hell, going back to that, I mean, again, that bum 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 bum. I mean, that's like bad brains level shit right there, as far right. as musical precision and being fucking in the pocket. And you know, as a testament to how great that song is, Metallica fucks it up. If you watched them play it recently, like their their 30th anniversary show or whatever that was, where right. they came up and sang with them, I mean, Lars can't keep it. You can't keep that going. You can listen to it. He's not even hitting the kick, you know? I mean, it's a tough song. So when some of the the most renowned players of a, a heavy genre can't keep the plate spinning, playing that shit, you know it's powerful stuff, and you know it's the real thing. He was
1: part of the Misfits and was the guitarist on Earth A.D. Doyle Wolfgang Von Frankenstein.
0: So first of all, uh, regarding Earth AD, obviously the band had a completely different approach to what they had done previously, a lot more ferocious, a lot more aggressive on the album. Was there one thing that made the band go in that direction?
9: Uh, I really don't know. Um, I think uh, there was a lot of bands playing that thrash stuff back then, and uh, like the Necros. We used to tour with them and I guess, you know, we really like that and kind of added those drum beats in and it just it evolves, you know, um, your sound evolves into something else all the time. I think once I joined the band, it went more to a, a metal guitar sound, you know, I think my sound was very metal back then, still is, and, you know, it's just a progression. To me, what the record i just made abominator with my band doyle is uh, a progression after earth ad in my opinion
0: as far as recording the album was there any is there anything that sort of jumps to mind now when you think back to those times
9: um well we recorded the first half of the album in uh los angeles it was right after a show we played at the um What's the name of that place? Santa Monica Civic Center with Black Flag. We did a, a show with those guys. And then uh, we went right to the studio with Spot, who did all the SST Black Flag stuff. And we knocked out, I believe, uh, Wolf's Blood and uh, Devilock, Mommy, Can I Go Out and Kill Tonight? We Bite, uh, Demonomania. I think that was maybe all the ones we did there uh, maybe Queen Wasp, I think, I think, I don't know, but then we went to another studio in New Jersey called Clocks in, uh, East Rutherford, a giant stadium, and we, uh, did Green Hell and that other one, you know, that's what I'm talking about, (laughs) uh, you know, the rest of them, so that's about it, I mean, I don't know.
0: Is there any track off the album that still holds, like, a special place for you?
9: No. They're all the same to me. It's, to me, it's just, uh... Everybody asks me that question all the time. What's your favorite song to play? The fucking last one, because then I get to go to bed. You know? <laughs> they, think, they think you're having a party, but it's a job. It's a hard, physical job, and by the end of the night, you're like... You know, you're on that last song, you're like, I can't wait to take a shower and go to bed, man.
0: Obviously, this, there are tracks off of this album that were later on covered by Metallica and other bands. Uh, what's it like to have bands that big um, cover your m- music?
9: Um, it's really cool, I think. it's uh, you know, I remember the first time I heard Die, Die, My Darling I'm, uh, by Metallica. I was uh, driving in the car and it came on the radio and I'm like, I know this song, what the fuck is this? And then he started singing, and I was like, oh, no, he's doing this, too. Wow, that's so cool, you know? But, uh, <laughs> it like, like bands like that, I mean, I'm more impressed when I meet them and they know my name before I can even, you know, telephone, you know? Right. You know, that happens to me with athletes and, uh, you know, musicians and, you know, movie actors and shit and it's just I like can't believe they know who the fuck I am
8: you know what I mean over the years I've seen a lot of
0: people credit this album as being the, the first hardcore album do you believe that this is the first hardcore album I do not okay I've heard someone reference recently actually when I interviewed them for this they mentioned that perhaps it wasn't the first hardcore album but maybe the first uh, metal punk crossover album.
9: Yeah, I think it was the first thrash metal album, I would say. Maybe. You know, something like that. Kind of like one of the first. You know what I mean? I don't know when Slayer came out, but to me, Slayer's punk rock. You know what I mean? I don't know why they throw them in the metal category to me. To me, that's more punk rock than anything else.